0: Welcome to another edition of the Conversations That Matter podcast. My name is John Harris. I have a very special guest with me today. We're going to talk about what I think is one of the uh, most interesting, and it is the story in my mind. Uh, for, for this audience, um, you're familiar with what we talk about as far as the social justice movement, especially in Christianity. But broadly speaking, uh, this, this story that I'm about to tell to you, and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get the firsthand source. We got Juan Riesco with us. He's going to tell us about it. Um, This story is it needs to be told in in a way that uh, we can't do justice through on this interview, but um, it hits the Black Lives Matter movement, uh, the gospel, um, you know, the uh, Christian social justice stuff. I mean, it's all in this story. And uh, I just want to welcome Juan Riesco. Juan, thank you so much for being willing to tell this amazing story.
1: Hey, brother, John, to God be the glory, man. Thank you for having me.
0: Well, Juan, we talked on the phone a few days ago, and I was actually pretty impressed. Um, I, I had read about your story, uh, the story of Nini's Deli in Chicago months ago, and I mentioned it on one of the podcasts, some of uh, the audience may remember, and it's just it blew my mind uh, to read about this uh, business owner who was a Christian, but also the son of immigrants, the um Uh, saved out of a a homosexual lifestyle, just, you know, God, God did a work in you. And then to have this highly rated restaurant uh, destroyed by the Black Lives Matter movement, uh, for you to be called the names you were called, I just thought to myself, this, this story is this is what's going on. This is this encapsulates 2020. And if Christians aren't paying attention, if we don't take heed of the warning that this story uh, gives to us, um, we're going to be in trouble. So I want to start kind of at the beginning, Juan. Tell us a little bit about yourself before what happened a few months ago. Tell us about your conversion. Uh, and then how did how'd you get into running this deli?
1: Yeah, Amen. <clears throat> well, first and foremost, John, thank, again, thank you so much for having me, man. Um, my pastor and I are big uh, followers of Conversations That Matter. And uh, I told you earlier, I have your book, Social Justice Goes to Church, so thank you for the research and the work that you're doing um, on this topic, man. It's inspiring, and so praise God. Thank you again.
0: Man, my pleasure.
1: Um, I, I uh, gave my life to Jesus uh, eight years ago. Um, like you mentioned, after a life of homosexuality, uh, just grew up in Chicago, like uh, a normal kid life. You know, I uh, like to get in trouble, uh, like to uh, hang around with friends too late at night, and I really found myself mixing in with the wrong crowd pretty early in life. Um, and I didn't really even know that it was the wrong crowd. I thought it was normal to party, drink, hook up with people the whole, the whole nine. And um, it wasn't until I was about 22 years old, 23 years old where I uh, lived in San Francisco for a little bit um, pursuing a life of homosexuality. And um, I thought I wanted to go to art school and all these things. Um, I dropped out and my parents were like, all right, well, you better get yourself home because what are you doing out there if you're not in school anymore? And so I moved back home and my parents had opened up this restaurant called Nini's Deli. Um, And like you mentioned, my father is an immigrant uh, from Cuba. My mom is an immigrant from Mexico and they met in the neighborhood that Nini's Deli is in um, back in the eighties. So they were there for, since 1980 together, And um, they opened up Neenies in the community that they met in, in 2011. I got home from college after being a wild kid in 2013. And that's when my older brother preached the gospel of Jesus Christ to me. Um, He was an ex-game banger um, who gave his life to the Lord as well. And he was just radical and is still radical and on fire for Jesus.
0: Praise God! And
1: he just put it really simply to me. He said, the lifestyle you're leading is a life of sin and a life of sin leads to eternity in hell. And I don't think you wanna do that. And I was like, what are you talking about, man? I'm a good guy. I, I, li- I like to, you know, I shoplift now and then and, and, I, and I party or get drunk or whatever, but I'm a good person. I take, I take care of mom and dad. I, I give money to fr- friends that are, that are in need and things like that. And um, it, it, when he preached to me, he actually preached to our whole family and uh, my father actually growing up was a muslim my mom was a essentially new age or like kind of postmodern in her way of life and um we all thought we were good people (laughs) and we all thought if there was a god for sure he's on our side because we're nice go lucky people and um when my brother preached to all of us it caused a lot of ruckus in the house and uh Eventually it came out that I was living homosexually and, 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 uh, my parents said, look, if you're going to live in this house, you're going to do two things. You're going to work for the family business, Nini's Deli, which at the time was a year and a half, two years old and making no money at all. And you're going to work in the family business and you're going to go to your brother's church. And mind you, my dad was Muslim, so he didn't believe in my brother's church. And he thought my brother's church was crazy. And my mom was new age, but probably called herself Catholic, like a lot of new age people do. And um, so I went and I heard the gospel over and over and over again. And I gave my life to Jesus. Um, just hearing the plain, simple gospel. You're a sinner on your way to hell without Christ, but thank God the Lord came and died for you so that way you can receive eternity in heaven if you just put your faith in him. And that was the gospel that was preached to me. And now I love the Lord Jesus Christ.
0: Praise um, God.
1: Yeah, so that was like 2013-ish. Um, and then i I kept my end of the deal. My parents said, you have to go to your brother's church and you have to work in this family business. And so I did it. And we went from making $400 a day of business, um, uh, nobody knowing who we were, almost going to close down the first couple of years, to becoming the number one restaurant, highest-rated restaurant in the whole city of Chicago in about in about time of seven years. You know, and we—I didn't have any business experience. All I did was trust Jesus and open up the scriptures and serve people with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, and it worked. <laughs>
0: And, and so tell me just real briefly about that, the life that you were living as far as uh, after you were saved running this business. Um, I know you have a family. Uh, I mean, it, was it looking, looking back on that, do you look at that kind of with a reminiscent eye and say, those are the good times, you know, we um, it, it was a good life.
1: I really hold to the scripture that says any person who puts their hand to the plow of Christ and looks back is not fit to serve in the kingdom of God. Okay. So I don't look back to those times and think those were the good times. I look at the moment that I'm in right now, and I said, th- I said thank you, Jesus, for this time right here. And, I admire and I,
0: that. I admire that because most people, I think, who, who have had, if they went through what you went through, and, and there are many people who have for other reasons, had a business yeah. just get destroyed or whatever. Um, I mean, that can be, that's just a blow sometimes to someone, and you have a Christian faith that keeps you grounded, and I I just, you're the real deal, Juan, and I appreciate you uh, uh, sharing that but I, I, I think it, you wouldn't um, it wouldn't be inaccurate to say this has been a disappointment for you uh, to see yeah, what's happened it's
1: been a bummer for sure yeah <laughs> yeah
0: well you're you you are human tell me uh, what happened because you know one day you were you know, not just making money but you were serving people you were living your life in Chicago and I'm I, you're not in Chicago anymore and um, you you everything went downhill and it went downhill fast. So give me the blow by blow. What was the first thing that happened?
1: So over the roughly seven years I was working with the family business from 2013 to June, 2020, we became super popular. <clears throat> we, we, by the grace of God had the honor of doing partnerships with uh, companies like Nike. We did, I've designed my own, two of my own Nike tennis shoes. Um, one of which they released only to friends and family of Nini's Deli, the other of which they put available for sale on the Nike app um, with a picture of me. And then I've had the honor of working with Adidas when they opened up their flagship store here in Chicago. They partnered with my business to help promote it. Um, Right before everything happened, I was in the process of designing a collection for Adidas and Derrick Rose specifically. Um, because of uh, the designing that I did with the restaurant in terms of our merchandising and stuff like that. It really drew a lot of attention from some big names. And so because we had this massive following digitally and, you know, within the community, um, when everything happened on June 2nd and 3rd with George Floyd, we received a lot of pressure from the BLM Inc. to make a post about our position on um blm and what's going on in, in the nation
0: <clears throat> so th- this just oh. to clarify that the, so there's the movement broadly speaking but then there's the the actual black lives matter organization so you're saying the organization itself reached out to you
1: no, so, well so the people that represent the organization in chicago
0: gotcha okay so yeah that is the representation of okay yeah so sorry
1: i was getting So I woke up to someone texting me and they said, like, man, a lot of people are talking about you guys on Twitter right now because you haven't posted a black square. And I was like, well, you know, whatever. I don't know what to say. I'm not going to go on there and address it or something like that. Just kind of see what happens. So I figured it would just blow over. Then I woke up that the next day and I had hundreds of comments on my Instagram, hundreds Like you're racist. I haven't even said anything yet, but you know, it was my silence that was what they were referring to. So I woke up to hundreds of comments. They said, you haven't spoke out against this. You must be a racist. Um, Oh, you guys love when black people purchase your food, but you don't wanna talk about when black people are dying. And I was like, actually, I, I preach again, had abortion mills all the time is what I was thinking in my head. But um, I was like, okay, yeah, uh, I see. I guess I see what you're saying. So I just started reading all these comments and um, I felt in my spirit <clears throat> that I couldn't be quiet. I really felt the Lord tugging on my heart. And he was saying to me, I, I sensed in my spirit that the Lord was was revealing to me this idea that I could be silent and it could possibly blow over but I sensed that he would no longer be with me like like the Lord was spurring me in this moment to say to stand up for the gospel and and I and it's what's funny is is it was really not funny what was really scary in my spirit was that the Lord I felt the Lord like I will depart from you if you choose this moment to be quiet. And yeah, your business will go on. You probably still will be successful. It probably will blow over. But I but this is this is your moment. And so I used the hundreds of comments as fuel to preach the gospel. So I started responding one by one, like, hey, I don't believe Black in Black Lives Matter Inc but I believe that all lives matter because all lives are made in the image of God. Black lives, Mexican lives, white lives matter in the name of Jesus. I started saying stuff like that. They were like, what is your stance on injustice? I'm like, my God is a God of justice. I hate injustice, but I hate it because he said so and because God's word says so, not because you or your organization tells me to. And I just started responding like that and it raised hell, (laughs) they were, The demons were pissed.
0: Wow. Wow. And did you have any idea in that moment uh, what, I mean, I I know you were probably nervous about this, but did you think uh, you were going to have a mob of people because of the responses you made? You did.
1: I knew it. I knew the second I didn't give them what they want. It was going to be a mob. I instantly started thinking about the Book of Genesis, when the when the, the the demons are knocking on the door and he gives them his daughters and then they're still not happy and he you know you know and then the, the mob comes to the you know yeah. Sodom
0: a lot yeah I
1: horrifically paraphrase that but I think you know <laughs> no,
0: what yeah we, we understand wow um,
1: I knew it I was like I can give them anything it it's not going to appease them right now so that's why I knew I had to come gospel.
0: Well, you're a brave man, Juan. I have to say, you are I, I respect that to give up um, these corporate partnerships and everything else you had to just stand for truth, uh, and, and to be satisfied in that, to not look back and regret it, but to say, "No, I did the right thing. The Lord was in that." And you know, um, I mean, have you? I, I want to just um, briefly—I mean, have you seen fruit from this? Have other Christians uh, seen your example? Uh, I know it—it's gone out there here and there had they you know written to you or told you hey that inspired me or hey I've come to Jesus now because I heard you preaching anything like that dude too much to
1: even count (laughs) I bet you know before I dive into that though real quick I do want to touch on the fact that it really rattled my church Mm. um our core church like the leaders and a lot of the leaders and specifically like my pastor was right next to me. He was so with it, bro. He, he was preaching his heart out with me the day that we all went to go preach. And I'll, we'll touch, and touch on that later, but, but it also rattled a lot of the other leaders um, who, who had the appearance of spiritual maturity on the outside um, and clearly did not have that thoroughly on the inside. And we lost a lot of our congregation when all of this started happening. Um, but again, it strengthened a whole other group of people in our congregation. And now we're stronger than ever through that persecution. And yeah, man, a lot of people came to the Lord. Um, we just had baptisms a couple months ago and there was, uh, I wanna say two or three people that got baptized, rededicated their life to Jesus. After seeing what happened at Nini's. they said they wanna be a part of that Christianity that stands up against evil in real life uh, and and not just in the spiritual realm, which is an important place. And we know that's where our battle primarily is, but also there is ba- real life evil in the physical. And there were people that were really inspired by that. And it's too much to count, man. Honestly, yeah. it's amazing. And even well, if just one person came, it was worth it. But more than one gave their life to Jesus again since this, since that. And it's all worth it, man.
0: And, and we want to go into more detail later, and I'll, I'll talk about that at the end uh, and, and share your story um, in its fullness. But uh, I kind of jumped ahead. Uh, so you were on social media, kind of where we left this chronologically. And then this jumped to not just social media, but you're out there in front of your storefront, boarded up preaching the gospel as thousands of people are mobbing it. Kind of How did that whole thing happen? Was that, Was that immediate or did that take a few days for people to every day they're showing up and there's more of them?
1: So the day I responded was probably, uh, it was like a Wednesday night. I call my brother. I call my pastor. I'm like, just so you know, I'm getting mobbed tomorrow for sure. They're like, what are you talking about? And I told them everything that happened. They're like, Oh snap, you went crazy for Jesus. Like, that's amazing. I was like, yeah, bro, I went off for the gospel. Like we were like celebrating at that moment. And then they were like, what do you think is going to happen tomorrow? And I was like, I know for sure they're gonna protest. I don't know by how many people or what, but I know they're gonna protest. And my brother was like, bro, if they protesting, we gonna preach. I was like, that's right, we gonna preach. If they protest, we preaching. And he's like, cool, then I'm coming to your job tomorrow. I'm taking off of work, I'm gonna come to your job. And so he comes and then my pastor comes and then a lot of our elders and deacons come. And at first, cause we opened at 8 a.m., there was no one really there. And actually there was nobody there. It was like a regular day at work. And then by 9 a.m., I told my brother, I'm like, I can sense something's gonna happen. I can sense it. And he was like, "He was like, you think so? There's nobody here. I'm like, bro, I don't know. I just feel like I feel it in the spirit that they're coming. And he, I was like, so let's meet them. Let's be out there first. He's like, what do you want me to do? I was like, go grab your microphone from your car, grab your speakers and start proclaiming the gospel in front of the store. Publicly, out loud, he was like, "There's no one even there." I'm like, "It don't matter. Go do it." <laughs> so, um, a bunch of the church members that came to support went outside and started preaching the gospel. And they started reading scriptures. My brother, I think my brother was reading through Romans, and uh, within the first five minutes, a young man dedicated his life to Jesus. Like literally, walks up and he's like, "What are you guys doing?" And my brother's like, "We're sharing the good news about Jesus Christ." You ever heard of it? And he was like, not really. And he, and my brother was like, um, Hey man. And my brother literally said, everybody without Christ is a sinner. If you repent for your sins and put your faith in Jesus, you can have eternity with him. And he was like, do you want that? I'm talking about first five minutes. We have a video of it. And my brother's like, you do, do you, you have that? video of this. Yeah. Yeah. yeah wow. I'll send it to you. My brother's like, do you want that? He's like, yeah. And the dude, repent. our congregation comes around him. The dude repents for his sins and you know, we're, we're, I'm still looking for him. I'm trying to find him. <laughs> we want to disciple him. <laughs> um, but that happened within the first five minutes. Wow! Um, and then slowly, but surely more and more people came until we were full on surrounded. And so I was right. You know, the Lord was showing me in my spirit that we were, they were going to come and uh, we were, we were to be out there preaching the gospel before they got there. So they met us preaching the gospel. Um, then we, got surrounded. <laughs> the rest is kind of history.
0: Yeah. And, and you were out, there was a few days, right? That you had people well, showing up.
1: Day, it was about a hundred or so people. And then this second day was thousands. And at that point is when we had already boarded up and they had leaked my address, leaked my mom's address, started calling my brother's employer and my sister-in-law's employer and uh, started they took that's when harassing you,
0: them. bullying you.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's when we fled the city. So the second day when they protested by the thousands, they, we had saints from different parts of the country fly in because they saw our video and they went and preached kind of on behalf of us and Jesus. But we had already skipped town because it was too dangerous. So you
0: you had to leave in an emergency situation you, in
1: the middle of the night.
0: You had My death pastor, threats. You athlete, had
1: yeah, I had over a thousand pending death threats in my Instagram. I was getting phone call after phone call after phone call from private numbers. Uh, my pastor was getting the same exact attacks. So was my brother. They put all of our information on the internet and they said, this is where these racist people live. Like go, go kill them. It's
0: and funny. these are from people who supposedly are angry because you don't stand up for, for justice in their mind. And this is the way they're treating you. Um, I mean, that shows the hypocrisy. Uh, and I mean, that's, and that's what, that's how we all are before Christ, right? We all have our hypocrisies and our, our, um, I mean, even Christians can have their hypocrisies. Uh, we repent of those things, but that that's man apart from God right there. People without God are like blind men who stumble in the dark. They don't even know what they're stumbling over. And that's, um, and and for you to come out with the compassion you have, which is proves that this narrative is false about you being this bigot. You're preaching to them. You care about them, and um, and your brother does, and your and the saints who came out. This is just this is incredible to me. And I didn't know this part of the story. It wasn't in um, the the articles that I read, or the the one uh, there was a long one that I had read. It didn't really share that. Um, but but this is during the time that this is happening. You're losing your your corporate contracts as well, right? People are calling you, they're canceling yeah. you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Every second, another organization was calling me. I'm like, Hey, that. thank you so much. I'm in the process of getting my life threatened. Can I call you later?
0: <laughs> oh man. Um, all right. So you, you skip town uh, and understandably, I mean, Paul did this, Jesus did this. I mean, when you're persecuted to a certain extent, there is, there's nothing wrong with that, especially when you have a family. Um, and you know, this is only this is still fresh. This is a few months ago. Uh, and uh, th- those who are are watching can see here's a picture of Nini's Deli before and after. This is what it looks like now. Uh, obviously, no, no uh, sandwiches being sold there currently or drinks or anything. It's just uh, it's, it's a vacant lot, really. Um, uh, I, I want to ask you, um, what? how can people is, is there anywhere I can send them right now to be supporting you? Obviously, we're praying but is there anything else that we can do as an audience?
1: Well, the Lord is so good, man. We've used this or not used this. We've pivoted this um, scenario to be an official launch of the second campus of our church. So we have um, our main campus back home, which is, where I first heard the gospel, and where many young people have first heard the gospel, we are the truly the spiritual front lines of Chicago. Um, we have been standing up against abortion, LGBTQ, um, and the social justice movement for. We're basically one of the only churches in Chicago that takes that stand. Um, there are a couple others, um, but there are not many. And when people have been rioting the city, our church was literally on the corners preaching the gospel. In front of the rioters, um, we lead an evangelism evangelism team um, once a week to Chicago's west side to preach the gospel and to love the community. Um, and so it's an, it's just the Lord is really doing something in our church. And um, so and, we've actually
0: been can you give the name of the church for people who yeah, might totally.
1: want? You want me to put it in the chat?
0: Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, send it to me as we're talking, uh, or you can just you know name it um, for people who are listening. Yeah,
1: our church is uh, Metro Praise International or MPI Chicago.
0: MPichurch.org uh, is, and slash giving if you want to give to that church in uh, yeah, the so, missions that they're doing.
1: Exactly. Yeah. So then now we've we've we all prayed and asked the Lord where we should go. And we felt the Lord lead us to Dallas. So we are in the North Dallas suburb area and we're looking to plant our second church of uh, here here in the area. So let, let like me ask to- you. And more than welcome to give. Would be grateful.
0: Yeah, and we'll pitch that again at the end. Um, I, I want to backtrack just a moment because I forgot to ask you about this. Other than your church, I mean, you kind of touched on it a little, but w- what about other Christians in that area? I mean, there's, uh, I mean, Chicago's famous because uh, for in Christian uh, evangelical folklore, right? Because that's where Moody Bible Institute's located. Um, did you have any support from any other evangelical churches, organizations? anything?
1: So unfortunately, a lot of people in the crowd were Christians. And they were Christians that were saying that we weren't preaching the true gospel, that Jesus would have been an ally of BLM. And they were literally coming to tell me that. While I had people spitting on me and lighting things on fire and throwing it at me from that crowd, Christians came up to me and said, you're wrong for this. Your business profited off black people. And they told you? Yes. They
0: said, I'm a Christian.
1: (laughs) Oh, no, I know them. I know them. We had graduates of Moody Bible Institute there flicking us off. And I don't want to say that that is all encompassing of that university by any means. But I do want to say that it is scary that you could have a Bible college degree and be on that side of this, the story.
0: It grieves my heart to hear this, and I'm sure it's grieving many who are listening to this. Um,
1: it's really, really hurtful.
0: Yeah, th- this is a time for the church to stand together against tangible evil that is existing in our country. And, uh, and you, you got um, you, you got the, the brunt end of it uh, with this whole situation uh, and, and it's not you that they're actually angry at. That's the thing. It's Christ. It's, it's the word. Um, it's, uh, the fact that you actually took a stand, uh, based on your Christian convictions that they have a problem with. Um, I, I think, um, you know, th- th- this is, I, I want to just pitch this to the audience. I just want to, um, really, this is, this is actually not even really a pitch. This is really just, uh, I'm begging you guys. Um, we, we want to tell this story and, um, And we want to support organizations, churches, parachurch organizations that are going to take a stand because this is the time to stand. And uh, so you already heard if you want to give, um, you can go to mpichurch.org. You can give to Juan's Church because they are actually trying to take a real stand and share the gospel. Uh, You can also, though, um, go to the Give, Send, Go link that is in the info section of this video. Just go down to the info section. The link is right there. And, um, Juan and I talked a few days ago and I, uh, am willing. And I told him that I, I, I we're going to make this happen. Um, I'm going to connect him with some people and we're going to do a documentary somehow. We're going to, to give this, um, the treatment that it deserves because, Uh, you know, there's been a lot going on this year that deserves uh, some kind of uh, exposure, uh, treatment, etc. And this story to me, though, just sums up everything. It shows the hypocrisy of the Black Lives Matter movement. It shows the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, I mean, your parents are immigrants, Juan. I just, you know, someone with a straight face telling you you're a racist. I I mean, I have um, some of the headlines I was just looking up Um, that most of them are, are, one of them was actually from someone who claimed to be a Christian and it came up right on Google that you're a racist. And I just, this is a a lie. This is an absolute lie. And, um, we want to expose, uh, as Paul says, expose the deeds of darkness, shine the light of the gospel, uh, which I know you will share in its strength and power, um, We want to use this as an example uh, to others uh, and to warn the church. This is what you are. This is the Trojan horse that you're buying into when you buy into social justice to have Moody Bible Institute graduates flipping you off uh, along with all these um, secular pagans who who hate you because you won't go along with the Black Lives Matter movement. I mean, this is the moment that like for the early church when they had to sacrifice to Caesar and they said no. I mean, you said no Juan, And. Um, and I respect you for it. So, you, so go to uh, mpichurch.org or go to the Give, Send, Go link in the info section for this video. Um, just an FYI for people who are giving, uh, we think that this will cost, and this is a low-end estimation, about $10,000 to really do this right. And, um, and so if you give to this, and if we happen to go beyond the $10,000, Um, I've already vowed that I'm going to make this happen no matter what. If I get a hundred dollar donation, I'm going to cover the rest. We're going to make this happen. But if we end up getting above $10,000, it's all going to go to this effort to uh, make the documentary, to um, advertise the documentary. Uh, If we have anything left over, we'll give it to MPI church uh, in there in Chicago, I'm not going to get a cent of this, guys, and I don't want to get a cent. I want to to um, connect Juan with you guys in the audience because this is the audience that has made so many other things happen, like the enemies within the church Naples documentary and uh, so many things. I can't even uh, think of them all off the top of my head. Um, I I appreciate your generosity, and and that's my uh, that's my begging (laughs) right there for people at the end of the year here to give Um, Juan. um, I any any final thoughts from you? I know we're you're just you're just on the tip of the iceberg here, of your story. There's so much more, um, but you have an encouraging word for us. You know what? Our, how are you guys right now? It sounds like you're doing okay. You know, um, kind of let our hearts rest a little bit with knowing that you're fine. Tell us how it's gone.
1: Yeah, Amen. I so. We're so grateful, man, like I told you when I first got on this call just to be alive. Honestly, it was a scary time and we're really grateful to to be here right now. Um, And yeah, this is not a sorry story for us. This is a victory story. Uh, We stood up for the gospel of Jesus Christ in a time when when everybody was bowing down Uh, and we're on the other end of it. And we're just praying and believing that our brothers and sisters all over the world will hear this message and stand up as well. Um, that's just it. We want the gospel to go out. We want people to be empowered by the Holy Spirit and to stand on truth because this is a time when everybody's searching for truth um, but there is none unless it's Christ. And, and I think that um, if I could share one thing, it's that, is that we have what the BLM movement's looking for and that's the truth of Jesus Christ. We have what the LGBTQ movement's looking for and that's Jesus Christ. And so let us be uh, empowered to share that message with them.
0: That's awesome, Juan. Well, praise be to God. I I appreciate you joining me for this. And uh, we'll be talking a lot more in the coming weeks. I hope you, you and your family have a very happy new year. Thank you.
1: Likewise.